So I want to ask you a question. How do we show we are followers of Jesus? How do we show that we're followers of Jesus? By going to church, by giving money, by carrying a Bible, by having a Bible app on your phone, mobile device, by not swearing, by having a Christian bumper sticker on your car, by looking Christian, talking Christian, dressing Christian. None of these ways, Jesus says, shows that you are following him. He's really specific. Take a look at what Jesus says. John 13, Jesus says, I give you a new commandment. Love each other as I have loved you. Come on, read that with me. Love each other as I have loved you. All people will know that you are my followers if you what? Love each other. It's pretty clear, isn't it? So get this down. We show we follow Jesus by how we love each other. Come on, say it with me. We show we follow Jesus by how we love each other. Your love for each other confirms that your faith in Jesus is real. And what's interesting is all too often the church misses this. We miss this. But one person that did not miss this is the Apostle Paul. And over the last several weeks, we have been unpacking his explanation of loving each other. He has dozens of applications of how we are to love each other. For instance, Paul writes in Colossians 3, the verse we're going to look at today, Paul writes this, bear with each other and forgive each other. Come on, read it with me. Bear with each other and forgive each other. Now, whether it is an injury or an insult, whether it is a complaint or a defamation of character, or whatever it is, bear with means to hold yourself back. Now, this phrase is an interesting phrase because basically Paul is addressing those times when you want to reach out and choke somebody. Anybody ever have those moments? Where somebody has done something or said something against you or to you or maybe behind your back or whatever and you find out about it. Those times when you want to slice somebody up with your words. The, the times when you want to retaliate, when you want to break loose against somebody that has done something against you and you want to let them have it. Paul says, hold yourself back. Bear with each other. Oh, but then he takes it one step further. He doesn't just say, hold back. Then he says, forgive them. Bear with each other and forgive each other. It's kind of like what Jesus did when he endured the cross. That he, that he held back on lashing out against those who were crucifying, but then he also prayed, Father, forgive them for those that were crucifying him. So he not only endured it, he forgave them. Forgive is built around a root word. Anybody have an idea what the root word of forgive is? Give. Isn't it interesting that forgive is built on this root word of giving, which should tell us that forgiving someone is giving something to them. In fact, it's giving an undeserved gift to them. So, when someone has wronged you, they are in debt to you. And justice says that you have the right to exact something from them to pay off that debt. But instead, through forgiveness, you cancel their debt because you give them grace. Wow. So Paul recognizes both that bearing with each other and forgiving each other are crucial. But what's interesting is Paul is writing 
to the believers in the city of Colossae. Believers, followers of Jesus, just like you and me. He is writing to church people. And he's saying, bear with each other. Forgive each other. He's not talking about outside the church walls. He's talking about inside. Bear with each other. Forgive each other. He recognizes that this is crucial for life together in a local church. And then Paul adds this next part. If someone does wrong to you, which would be offends you or hurts your feelings or rubs you the wrong way. Have you ever had any of those happen to you? He says, if someone does wrong to you, forgive that person. Why? He says, because the Lord forgave you. Now, sadly, in our culture, forgiveness is not so common. Have you noticed that? In fact, what really is common is to be unforgiving, to hold on to things, to hold on to a grudge, to become bitter, to become angry. I think this has to do with our misunderstanding of of what forgiveness is all about. In fact, not only what forgiveness is, but what forgiveness isn't. So I've got a list of Fill in the blanks on the outline. I hope you have it out in front of you because you're really going to need it. It will help you down the road to remember these things. But there's a list that I want you to fill in of things that forgiveness is and things that forgiveness is not. So contrary to what many people say, I want you to get this down in your outline. Forgiving someone is not forgetting. Forgiving someone is not forgetting what they have done against you. Ever hear the little cute little phrase, forgive and forget? You ever hear that? Yeah. You know what's funny about this is this is completely misleading. In fact, honestly, it's completely impossible. I mean, I'm just going to ask you, how many of you have really forgotten the things that people have done against you? You may have chosen to forgive them, but you haven't forgotten what they did. In fact, if you start getting a little bit close to those kinds of things again with those people, all of a sudden the radar starts going off and you're going, well, we're getting way too close to what you did last time to me, so I'm walking way over here and I'm getting way away from that, right? You know why? Because we don't really forget, if you think about it. Forgiving is not forgetting. I mean, come on, all of us forget things unintentionally. We forget things over time. And especially as you get older, you you forget things, right? But rarely do we erase things committed against us and almost never do we forget the pain, the hurt that they caused. Also, get this one down. Forgiving someone doesn't mean you no longer feel the pain. It's true. In most cases, the only way you can stop hurting is to stop feeling And how many of you know that most of the time, the only way you can stop feeling is to die, (laughs) right? So if you've got breath today, and if your heart is beating, hopefully it is, then you're feeling. And and to be honest, you, you can't get to a point where you don't feel the pain. Forgiving someone is not no longer feeling the pain. I think this is one of the primary reasons why people are so reluctant to forgive. I I really do. I I think they can't stop feeling the hurt, and so they don't want to say they forgive someone when inside they know that they don't because they still feel the hurt. Get this one down. Forgiving someone doesn't mean you ignore or deny what happened. 
Forgiveness doesn't mean that you pretend that it didn't happen, that it didn't hurt, or that it wasn't really a big deal or it didn't matter. If something doesn't matter, then forgiveness isn't needed, right? Forgiving someone doesn't mean like you act as if it wasn't a big deal. You are never asked to diminish the seriousness of the offense. Also, forgiving someone is not reconciling with them. This is something I want us to get. This is a big one. And I don't have a lot of time to spend on this, but this is a big one, I think. Forgiveness, choosing to forgive, and then reconciling with someone are two completely separate actions, two completely separate acts. Forgiving someone is not reconciling with them. Reconciliation, listen to this, this is so key. Reconciliation, a restoring of a relationship takes two people. Two people choose to do that, but one person can choose to forgive. Listen, if you can get that, you may be the person in this room that can be set free from unforgiveness. Because you may be in a situation where the other person is not willing to reconcile, is not willing to forgive, is not willing to go past it, but it doesn't matter. Listen to me, forgiveness only takes one person, and that's you. You can forgive. We can forgive someone even if they don't ask for it, even if they don't want it. Not every relationship, this, 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 this helped me so much so many years ago. Somebody said this to me, a mentor of mine said this to me, and, and it so rocked me. Not every relationship can be restored, but every relationship needs forgiveness. Hmm. Get this one down. Forgiving someone is not a one-time action. Did you know in our text in Colossians 3 that bear with each other and forgive each other? It's really interesting how it's written. In the original Greek, it is a continuation kind of um, uh, uh, writing style. So basically, it's not just bear with, it's bearing with. It's not just forgive each other, it's forgiving each other. So Paul is writing in this continuation tense. It's a constant, ongoing process. It's not a one and done. And we all know this to be true. Forgiving is, is most often a lifelong process. I mean, sure, there will be a moment when you choose to forgive, and I hope that you do that. But that doesn't mean that you'll never need to do it again, even with the same person. Every day, you will need to reaffirm your choice to forgive each time you see them, when you run into them at work or wherever, you may need to say to yourself under your breath, I forgive you. Hmm. Matthew 18 talks about this. Jesus has been teaching about forgiveness. And one of his followers, Peter, asked him a question. Look at the question Peter says. Peter asked, Lord, when my fellow believer, notice who he's talking about, church people, when my fellow believer sins against me, how many times must I forgive him? Should I forgive him uh, as many as seven times? Now, now, you need to know that during this time, religious teachers, religious uh, rabbis, they taught that it was huge, that it was generous if you would forgive a person three times for the same thing. So Peter is feeling really generous in his heart, and he's like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to double it and even add one. Jesus, if I, if I forgive them seven times for the same thing, 
Is that enough? Is that good enough? Look what Jesus says. You must forgive him more than seven times. So Peter's thinking, okay, eight, right? Eight and a half, maybe. Look what Jesus says. You must forgive him even if he wrongs you 70 times seven. Now, no, this does not mean 490 times if you're doing the math, okay? That we are to forgive. What Jesus is saying is we are to forgive as often as it takes. Hmm. Over and over and over and over again. So how many of you would agree that forgiveness, forgiving someone, is not easy? Yeah, it, it's true. It's one of the most difficult things you will ever face. And Jesus, you know, may be the model of forgiveness. But I don't know about you, but sometimes, sometimes when I look at Jesus and I know that Jesus is forgiving and he is the model of forgiveness, he's the example of forgiveness, I'm supposed to follow his example, but I say in my mind, this is just me, okay? But I say in my mind, but he's the son of God forevermore, right? I mean, he is the son of God. So I'm not the son of God. I don't tap into that kind of stuff. So forgiving somebody else for me is not easy. It goes against what I'm feeling. When someone hurts me, when someone says something against me, I have to admit I hold a grudge. I want to get back at them. When someone tells me that I should forgive them, I don't like to hear it. It, 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 it flies in the face of everything that feels natural to me. We're told to bury the hatchet sometimes. I'd rather bury the hatchet in their back than bury that. You know what I'm saying? I'm just being honest, right? We all know what that is. You may be an, have been offended recently or, or maybe it was something that happened years ago. It doesn't matter. Either way, forgiving somebody is difficult. So what is this? If it's not all of these things, what is forgiveness? First off, forgiving someone is an action based on choice, not on emotion. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, you will never, come on, just tell them, you will never feel like forgiving someone. Did you hear that? Say it with me. You will never feel like forgiving. Let's, let's make it personal. I will never feel like forgiving. Isn't that just like, <sighs> really? It's okay to think that? Yes. I will never feel like forgiving you. I'm sorry, but I won't. I will never feel like forgiving you. It's a choice we make. I've heard people say all the time, I can't forgive until I feel it, until I feel like forgiving You're never going to get there. I mean, 99.9% .9 of the time, I do not feel like letting go of the issue. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to let people off the hook. Anybody else like me in this? Am I the only one that feels? I don't, I don't want to let them off the hook. My feelings, if, if I let them lead me, my feelings can miss lead me. All of us know how unforgiveness can really mess with our emotions. We've experienced it. 
And so we need to realize that the action of forgiving someone is on a choice, not on emotions. It's not how you feel. It's a choice you make. It's a decision you make. Get this one down. Forgiving someone is canceling their debt and giving them grace. This is really cool. To forgive literally means to release. Even better, it means to send away. To release it, to send it away. You are, you are forgiving them. You are canceling that debt. They have offended you. And so justice says that they owe you now because they've done something against you. And you can exact a penalty on them because it is due to you. They owe you, but you are canceling that debt and you are giving them grace. You are releasing the issue. You're releasing it. When someone has wronged you, you have rights, but you're giving up those rights. Often we refuse to forgive someone because we think we have to minimize what they've done against us in order to, to forgive them. Or we think that if I forgive them, then they're not going to be held responsible for what they've done. But forgiving someone takes the offense very seriously, but it acknowledges the act as being a wrong and it forgives anyway. And that's the thing I think we miss. Get this one down. Forgiving someone is more for me than for them. This is the most important one we can get today. It's more for me, it's more for you than it is for the person who offended you, who hurt you, who did something against you. People think that forgiveness is for the person who wronged us, but no, giving forgiveness is more important for us. It's more important for the one who is giving it. Forgiveness helps us release these people that have hurt us. Forgiving someone frees us from bitterness and pain and resentment. One author says, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner is me. Hmm. Unforgiveness damages us in all kinds of ways. Maybe you've been around or maybe you are a person who has been affected by unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment. It affects us emotionally, it affects us psychologically, it affects us relationally. Did you know that unforgiveness, it, it is through medical research that it's determined that unforgiveness even affects us physically. It's true. Research shows that unforgiveness is linked to cardiovascular disease, hypertension, high blood pressure, and even cancer. Studies show that giving up grudges can reduce chronic back pain. Studies show that giving up grudges reduces substance abuse issues in people's lives. Stanford University did a study that showed that letting go of a grudge can slash one's stress level up to 50%. How many of you would love to lose half of your stress in life? I would. Let go of the grudges. Subjects from that study at Stanford University showed improvements in energy, mood, sleep, and vitality. In fact, the scientist at Stanford University who was leading the charge of that project was quoted as saying, carrying around a load of unforgiveness is very toxic. It's been said that unforgiveness is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Lastly, get this one. 
Forgiving someone opens me up to God's forgiveness. Matthew 18, Jesus tells a parable of a king who called in his loans, and there was this servant who owed him millions of dollars, and he couldn't pay, and instead of prison, this king forgives this guy incredibly. He he forgives this debt, this huge debt, incredibly, and you'd think that this forgiven guy would be so forgiving to other people in his life, but no, he goes out right away, and he looks for a guy who owes him a few bucks, and the guy can't pay up, and what does he do? He throws the guy in prison. The king finds out, he summons this forgiven servant who's been forgiven millions of dollars of debt, and he asks this servant, what's up with this? I have forgiven you so much, and you can't forgive this little petty amount. So the king throws this servant into prison until he can pay in full what he owed the king. And you know what Jesus says? At the end of that story, Jesus says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. You will be in prison because of unforgiveness. Friends, my relationship with, with God will be messed up if I don't forgive. Look at what Jesus says out of the message. I love this. He says, you can't get forgiveness from God without forgiving others. It's pretty clear, isn't it? So forgiving doesn't earn us God's forgiveness. And I want you to get this because sometimes people think that's the way it works. It's not. Forgiving someone does not earn us God's forgiveness. But what Jesus is saying is that an unforgiving heart is a barrier to what God wants to do in our lives. An unforgiving heart is a barrier to what God not only wants to do in us, but I think Paul knew it's a barrier to what God wants to do in a church. If there's a church full of unforgiving people, then there is a barrier to what God can do in and through that church. A few years ago, I heard an amazing story that was told by a guy that was an innocent onlooker to this event. This, this guy had stopped at this convenience store slash gas station, kind of like a 7-Eleven kind of thing with gas pumps outside, you know, a little mini mart and then the gas pumps. And, and so he stops there to get some gas in his truck. And while he was filling up his tank, he sees this jogger, this guy jogging down the street with the biggest dog he has ever seen in his life. This dog was ginormous. You know, he was like, wow, I've never seen a dog of that size. And he watched this jogger turn down the street and then cross the street and come towards him. And then the jogger and the dog ran right past him up to the entrance of the mini-mart. And when they got to the entrance of the mini-mart, the jogger tied the dog's leash to a bench that was bolted to the concrete. And he he went inside. So this dog is outside and this guy's still pumping his gas into his truck and he's looking over his truck and and he's watching this dog. And all of a sudden in this busy intersection, he hears some tires squeal and, and the dog gets agitated and the dog stands up and his eyes get real big and boom, like a bolt, he is running right toward the intersection and the leash stretches out as far as it can. And then wouldn't you know, the dog tugs on the leash so hard that he pulls the bench out of the concrete, 
bolts are flying and concrete is flying. The thing is being dragged across the asphalt of the parking lot. The guys pumping gas cannot believe what just happened. This dog is dragging this bench and concrete out into traffic. Well, the noise causes the store owner, the dog owner, everybody from the store is coming out, and they see this dog pulling this bench right out into the middle of this busy intersection, and this does not look good. And so this dog is running full tilt out into the intersection, and here's this, this SUV that's parked in the left, or right in the left turn lane, stopped there, ready to make its turn unaware that something is coming right at it. And the dog is headed right for this SUV. And then all of a sudden, the dog stops. And when he stops, the leash and the bench whip around and slam into the grill of this SUV. And car parts and concrete and sparks and everything is flying all over everywhere. People can't believe what just happened. But that's not all. The dog then gets agitated again, turns and heads for another car. And he comes flying at this car. The car is in motion, and we see it coming. The dog's going to get killed. He's going to get hit. Something's going to happen. The guy lays on the brake. He stops his car. The dog stops right at the car in front of the car. And again, the leash whips the bench around. And this time, the bench is in midair, and it slams onto the hood of the car. Parts are flying, breaks the windshield, there's sparks, there's concrete, there's everything going on. I heard that story. And I thought, a lot of us were like that dog. I mean, we've been tied up, leashed up to a bench through unforgiveness. And and everywhere we go, we're pulling this bench. We we can't get away from this bench because it's connected to who we are. It's it's connected to us because we're, we're not letting go of it. It's chained to us. It's leashed to us. We may not even realize it, but we're dragging it around. And, and it's creating collateral damage. I mean, this, this bench of unforgiveness that we're dragging around, it's slamming into people around us. It might be slamming into our spouse. It might be slamming into our kids. It might be slamming into our coworkers or family members or neighbors. It might be slamming into somebody at work, our boss. But we're dragging this unforgiveness around with us because we're leashed to it. It's damaging relationships. It's damaging us. It's it's putting our lives in jeopardy. But but more importantly, it's it's slamming against what God wants to do in our lives. It's not letting us free. It's, It's not letting us loose. It's holding us back. Let's take this a little different angle here. Who's, who's sitting on your bench? I mean, who's, who's sitting on this bench in your life of unforgiveness? Somebody that you haven't forgiven. Could be a, a parent, a, a spouse, maybe somebody you worked with, 
Maybe it's something that somebody did behind your back and you heard about it, or maybe it's something that somebody did to your face. But they're sitting on your bench. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's somebody in your family. Maybe it's somebody at a church. I can't tell you how many people have been hurt by church people. Sad. Maybe it's somebody right here at our church that you're not forgiving. They're sitting on your bench and you're, and you're dragging them around. The, the, the things are getting heavier and heavier because it may not just be one, but it could be multiple people on your bench. And you're dragging them around with you because of unforgiveness. Had a situation kind of like this in my life. Years ago, someone really hurt Dee Dee and I tremendously. This guy was on staff at our church that we worked at up in Northern California. He, he was actually a guy that I had recommended for the position. I talked to our senior pastor and I said, hey, I got, a, I got this guy that could really be great on our staff. I think we should hire him. He, he was actually a mentor of mine for years. He taught me all there is to know, at least what he knew about worship leading. He was a great, great help to me. He was the one that actually introduced me to my wife, Dee Dee. He, he's the one that got us involved in, in a, a singing group together so that I met her for the very first time. In fact, he's the one that did premarital counseling. Him and his wife did premarital counseling for my wife and I, and he's the one that married us. In fact, he's the one that dedicated our first baby. That's how close we were to them. And after a year and a half of coming to the church that we were working at, he got the idea that he wanted to have his own church that he didn't like where we were headed. And so he started, we didn't know, but he started for over a year meeting with people from the music department. And they would come to his house, and he kept telling them, I'm going to start my own church. Eventually, when we get big enough, I'm going to start my own church. He was taking people from our church in order to start his own church because he had unresolved issues with our senior pastor. It was a bitterness issue. Interesting, isn't it? And so he tried, and they jumped, and they split our church in half. Almost closed the school that we had, almost closed the preschool that we had. We not only lost him, but we lost five staff members in the process. Not because they were connected to him, but because they were kind of caught in the wake of everything that happened. When you pull things around, the collateral damage is huge. In the process, he affected Didi and I. He said some things about us that were not true. He said some things about us that were not true, but he said them behind our back to people that we were close to. And in the process, Didi and I lost a handful of friends. And um, that was tough. Because, see, I wasn't the one that he had the grievance against. Everybody understand what it's like to be caught in the middle? <laughs> I was caught in the middle, and yet I was being damaged through the process. And I didn't realize that through that process, I was putting him on my bench. 
because I wasn't forgiving him. We were still living in the area, and he was still living there too. And there were times that I wondered, what would I say to him if I ran into him at Home Depot? No lie, that's what I thought. I would drive up to stores, and I would think, I hope he's not here. You know why? Because I wasn't afraid of saying something nice. I was afraid of choking the living daylights out of him. I was afraid of how I was going to react. Because I was angry. And I was bitter. And I was resentful. And it was a cancer that was inside of me. And so uh, God in his grace opened up an opportunity for us to come here. We weren't running away, but we were coming here. We came here to San Diego. And through a series of events, and I'm not going to take the time to go into all of it, but through a series of events, God helped me get him off my bench. In fact, God helped me unleash from carrying unforgiveness around. Now, if you go on my Facebook account today, he's on my Facebook. Now, I'm not saying that that's the awesome thing to do. Oh, you're so forgiving, Bart. No, that's not what I'm saying. All I know is I've come a long way in this thing of forgiveness with somebody who hurt us probably more than anybody else in our life. And I'm sharing that with you because I think you can do the same thing. So what happened to the dog? Right? The master of the dog comes running out into the street. The dog has frozen. The, the bench is up on top of this other car. The dog is frozen in place, doesn't know what to do. He's scared to death. And the master comes walking up to the dog. And all he does, without saying a thing, is unleashes the dog from the bench. You know how I got forgiveness in my life? It wasn't because I'm such a great guy. It was because God was working in my life. He brought me to a point where I could make a choice. Did I feel like making the choice? Not at all. Did I want to make the choice? Not at all. But God brought me to a point where I could make the choice. And he, God, unleashed me from unforgiveness. And I think that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to unleash you from unforgiveness. He wants to unleash you from what you have been carrying around and dragging around maybe for years in your life. God wants to set you free. And he knows that he has to help you do this. He knows that we cannot unleash ourselves from unforgiveness. All too often we get hurt by somebody and we have this unforgiveness and we, and we think that all we need to do is just to get away, run away, and, and, and everything will be okay. And so we move or we leave home or we get divorced or we get another job or we go to another church or whatever in hopes of getting away from the pain. But guess what? We can't. You know why? Because we're dragging this, because we're chained to this unforgiveness. We are dragging it with us wherever we go. 
And you may think, well, you just don't know what that other person did to me. You don't know the pain that I went through. I can't forgive them. To you, I say you're right. You can't forgive them. Forgiveness starts with God. It really does. It's only something that God can do in our lives. It's a supernatural thing. You can't do this on your own. Only God can unleash unforgiveness in your life. Would you bow your heads with me?